0: To season one, episode 14 of the Home Health Care Today Show. I'm your host, Dr. Clemon Moore. It is September. And in September, we spend a little time, important time, focusing on a very important and significant topic. And that topic is ovarian cancer awareness. So on our show today, we are fortunate to be joined by the co-founder and past president of the Michigan Ovarian Cancer Alliance, uh, Ms. Pam Dahlman. Let me tell you all a little bit, uh, for our listeners and viewers, a little bit about Pam. Pam was trained as a registered nurse at the University of Michigan School of Nursing. Her focus was on pediatric nursing in the pediatric ICU at Mott and then on to home care, specializing in children with trachs and ventilators. She eventually became a branch manager for a private duty home care nursing agency, Visiting Care, an arm of the Visiting Nurse Association of Ann Arbor. She continued this work as a discharge planner at the University of Michigan Hospitals and Mott Hospital, once again, helping children with special equipment needs at the time of discharge to transition home successfully. Pam has also worked with these medically fragile children in their school settings. She was a one-on-one provider in the Saline School District for seven years. Her passion changed a bit when her mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2008. At the time of her diagnosis, there was no statewide support for women who were diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Together, she and her mom founded the Michigan Ovarian Cancer Alliance. Now, as for the mission of the Michigan Ovarian Cancer Alliance, MIOCA or MiOCA strives to save lives by promoting the early detection of ovarian cancer and improved treatment outcomes. MIOCA raises awareness of ovarian cancer, provides resources and support to survivors and their families, advocates both locally and federally, Educates Michigan communities and funds innovative ovarian cancer research. Pam, welcome to our show today. Thank you for having me. Pam, um, as I stated in your introduction, this is certainly a very important um, topic, you know, to, to discuss. It has a very sensitive, sensitive nature to it. Uh, Pam, do you mind uh, sharing with us a little more about yourself, you know, as a registered nurse, uh, your research, your passion, and what led you to, to co-find uh, the alliance with your mother? Mm-hmm. Um, I think ovarian cancer
1: is a disease that you know I knew very little about in nursing school it's not something that they ever really educate you on maybe a little bit in a textbook but uh, it was you know as you mentioned when my mom was diagnosed in 2008 that it became on my radar you know right there in front of me and um Not only did my mom uh, have ovarian cancer, but my maternal grandmother had ovarian cancer. And so she died at uh, the age of 71, and then my mom actually eventually passed in 2011. And so I sit in front of you after 50 years now, uh, this year, 2021, of... Having uh, lost both my grandmother and my mom to ovarian cancer, and you know it is a disease. A lot of people will say is a silent killer. We like to say silent no more because there are symptoms that go along with ovarian cancer, and yes. and most people don't recognize uh, what those symptoms are, or they get mistaken for other. Um, types of situation, a lot of people will think it's the flu or something with their GI system. And so, uh, you know, for example, the four cardinal symptoms are bloating, uh, not just, you know, you you feel indigested or, or whatnot for a period of time, but uh, to the point where you have to go home and feel more comfortable in pants that don't button but have elastic waistband, or after two weeks or three weeks, you're buying new pants because you don't fit in your pants anymore, Uh, abdominal or pelvic pain, and again, that can be so vague, Um, having changes in your urination or uh, you're either going more or less, uh, or in your bowel habits, Um, and then also uh, the feeling of, uh, fullness. My mom would have, be starving and fill her plate and could only take one or two bites and then would push her her plate away. And, you know, those are symptoms that are, are so, so vague. And for women who are, you know, perimenopausal, they're, they're experiencing that on a monthly basis with their menstrual cycles. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of times they are just missed. And so it goes, uh, into the advanced stages you know there's no diagnostic test for this disease and so i think more than more than anything as a nurse as a healthcare provider i wanted to be that voice to try and help uh, say there are symptoms, and let's let's be educators. Let's raise awareness, and and so that's what we have been able to do. You know, Michigan Ovarian Cancer Alliance uh, filled that void. Yes.
0: You know, for the statewide need. Very nice, very nice, Pam. And, and Pam we we sympathize and, and empathize with the passing of your mom uh, you. as well as your grandmother to this this disease. Thank you. We definitely congratulate you uh, on taking their legacies forward, and, and co-founding an alliance, a statewide alliance, that can be of greater support to, to girls and, and teens and, and young women and women of all ages uh, who may be diagnosed with this disease. So going back to 2008, you know, starting this and, and um, dealing with the, the passing of your mom in 2011, talk to us a little bit about the first three years, I guess, of the alliance with mom and then to date some of the major milestones and accomplishments of uh, New York. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the most important thing to say is when my mom was first diagnosed, she too was a nurse and we were looking for that support. We were looking for other survivors and there just wasn't the network that was in place. So you know, Michigan Ovarian Cancer Alliance was able to fill that void and it has been uh, you know, there as a support system for other survivors. And I think for me, that's been so neat to see. And I know my mom would be smiling down on us with, with that because uh, it's changed a little through the pandemic. We sure. haven't, unfortunately, been able to do as many in-person things, but overall that support is there and you know one of the things we strive to do is is uh be there as a network be there uh you know to not only uh provide the resources that a new survivor might need but also connect those survivors through our support groups and we used to do those in person and now they've become uh more along the lines of a virtual um, type of format, and we used to have a educational seminar, and, and some of those have gone to webinars and, yes. and Zoom, and you know, but we've been able to you know make that uh, adjustment, which has been wonderful. Um, not only the support, which is first and foremost in my mind, uh, but second would be uh, you know advocating and advocating for uh, this disease, but also for you know a woman who is going through that to be the voice and to to be there to make the laws or you know raise the bar our our funding you know has drastically increase because there's power in our numbers Um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately with this disease women don't live as long as some of the other cancers and so when we can unite our voices whether it is the survivors or their caregivers or offspring you know to be able to uh, make that difference and rally and get the research funding that is so drastically needed to try and find that early detection test
0: absolutely absolutely so Pam, as a nurse, as you you know, as you shift back and forth between being an advocate, um, a co-founder of a statewide agency, a past president, as you s- slip back into that clinical mode and put on the nurse's hat, what are some of the therapies and, and treatments that you've seen over the last several years?
1: I think. Um ironically enough the the carboplatin and taxol which are the first line of defense for chemotherapy uh carboplatin was discovered at michigan state university which kind of blows everybody's mind Uh but that was the same frontline treatment given to my grandmother that my mom received and it's still actively given as the frontline therapy today and so you know there, there's a long ways that we need to still come. But all in all, um, new you know clinical trials are coming out yes. and new advancements have been made in the pharmacological division and, and women are living longer because of those advances. And one in particular that was in the clinical trial as my mom was failing was the PARP inhibitors. And PARP inhibitors are uh, used successfully for ovarian cancer. Uh, They're also in clinical trial for other cancers to date. Um, But they are uh, a targeted therapy drug that um, women can take orally, you know, and not have to go in for infusions. They're able to... uh, take that from their home on a daily basis and and women are living longer on those park inhibitors so that's a huge advancement um that has that has come a long ways and uh you know there's there's going to be others i know uh you know there's all kinds of research happening and uh we can only hope you know we
0: we hold on to that hope (laughs) absolutely yeah so this is very rich information it's not common knowledge, right? So from the uh, layman terms or in layman terms, how could listeners and viewers get more insight and more information? I know you you made great mention of uh, some of the webinars and the like, but how can folks like positively be impacted by the Alliance and all of this, this knowledge that you're sharing with us today?
1: I think, um, as I mentioned, the pandemic has really... Uh, Changed the way we've done a lot of things but overall you know our our positive impacts have been uh, going into the community for the education and awareness piece we have a program called Speak which is survivors promoting early awareness and knowledge and we've been in churches we've been in synagogues we've been in fitness centers we've been in uh, lunch and learns at places of employment and we've uh, you know have those survivors telling their stories and that's powerful it is um we've also used those same survivors and and you know people like me who experienced uh, what I have with my own mom to go through and and Statewide and federally ask for new laws and, and that research money that I've been talking about. Uh, you know, we've been able to uh, advocate in the state of Michigan, oral chemo is not equivalent to IV infusion. And so we have fallen behind in raising the bar for that oral parity. Uh, so we still continue to advocate for that uh, equivalency and, and, uh, even federally, it hasn't been recognized. So, you know, we're, we're doing that both statewide and federally and, uh, getting with our politicians and
0: trying to make a difference. So this is great, great advocacy, um, opening up doors, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then knocking down walls, mm-hmm. bridging the gap between various forms mm-hmm. of treatment and then increasing the awareness, um, ovarian cancer research, and then some of the latest, some of the latest trends and developments. Um, prior to our commercial, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Granted that, uh, we are still in a pandemic, uh, and somewhat of a resurgence of the pandemic. And I like to say that, um, whenever women are healthy, the world is healthy, right? Um, and with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the psychological, um, impacts, right, mm-hmm. and uh, from your experience, some common resources or um, some tips for assisting some of our listeners, and even men too, in terms of men being of a greater support uh, to the women in their lives who may be impacted by this disease, so and from your experience and um, knowledge, um, how can we better address some of the psychological impacts prior to us taking a commercial?
1: I think you know the psychological component is is huge because it's it's physically and it's mentally, and not only is it for just the survivor, but it's also for the caregiver, for the family. Uh, you know, the physical changes that happen are you're you're put into an instant menopause state you know when you have the debulking surgery and they have a hysterectomy you know those your progesterone and your estrogen are gone and so your your hormones aren't there any longer and so you know we're talking about all ages there was a little girl in Ann Arbor where I live that was she was in kindergarten when she was diagnosed, and Marielle passed at the age of eight, and you know, people are are surprised when I say that about her, but you know, we're all born with ovaries, and so it, it doesn't age discriminate, it doesn't racially discriminate, there, there are no discrepancies, it's, it's affecting many, many different ages, and I could go on and say that, you know, Katie is still living, and she had been diagnosed at the age of 10, and you know, Megan was uh, nine when she was diagnosed, and and those two living without you know their their hormones and having that surgical uh, menopause happen at that young age, yes. you know, then you're dealing with infertility, yes. and so you know that affects not only the woman and you know the the physical component, but also the psychological component of you know the worry, the anxiety of. Um, what if I wanted kids? You know, that wasn't a choice. And, you know, the body image changes, not to mention. And, you know, then there's the mental component of, you know, somebody in treatment who, you know, this, this becomes a chronic disease. You know, you're, you're diagnosed, and then you you may be fortunate to get into no evidence of disease (NED) status or remission, um, but you know unfortunately it's it comes back, and so you know it becomes chronic. And it, those women then are dealing with the what ifs, you know, or what happens. I want to move on with my life, but you know what's next? And you know I want to take that vacation with my husband, but uh, you know should I? Because I might be back in treatment, or I don't know what next treatment. Is coming. And, and so, you know, you can only imagine if a, a female is experiencing all of that, how does that affect the family member? And so, you know, that support is just greater than the survivor alone. You know, we we would love to be able to support more. And that's probably one of our biggest goals is to support more of the caregiver. And, you know, but in the meanwhile, you know, we, we connect. Since, since MIOKA is not able to do that, we connect people with our community because there are other agencies that are doing great support and uh, for
0: the caregivers, so, so Pam, Pam, your your transparency is wonderful. You know you. Um, how how clearly you articulate uh, not only information and knowledge about the disease, um, but walking in those shoes, um, being someone who was impacted directly, uh, you know, by your your mom and grandmother, and also. Knowing the stories, right? Knowing the stories of survivors, right? That, that work in the alliance, work alone in the agency. And also carrying on the torch and the legacy, you know, of those um, besides your loved ones. But carrying on the legacy of even young children right, who were uh, impacted, you know, uh, negatively by, by the disease. Fem, we're going to take a commercial and come back and, uh, and talk more about my As Americans, we're defined by our grit, our toughness, our excellence, and our multiculturalism. But here in Detroit, Southeast Michigan, we are battle-tested. That's our advantage. We've been hit rather hard by the pandemic and other health challenges. Allow American Advantage Home Care to provide skilled home care services for you in the comfort of your own home. We are Joint Commission accredited and CMS certified. Call us today. Welcome back to season one, episode 14 of the Home Health Care Today show. And yes, it's September and we're having a very in-depth conversation about ovarian cancer awareness. And we are joined by Pam Dahlman as we continue this dialogue. Okay, Pam, uh, prior to our break, we were talking a little bit about um, psychological impacts, uh, for not only the, the patient or family members and survivors, but also caregivers. And in that, during our break, we talked a little bit about genetics and heredity, right? And we know that there's things that we can modify about our heredity, but then there's some of the non-modifiables and some of the advances in genetics and genetic research. So do you want to speak to that a little bit as well?
1: Sure. I think, you know, one of the important things that's very personal for me is having my mom and my grandmother, as I mentioned, with ovarian cancer and and a very strong family history on my mom's side of different cancers. Um, You know, we were kind of surprised to find we did not have a genetic mutation, but there are, believe it or not, with um, ovarian cancer... Uh, a very small percentage of females that have a genetic link. Um, Angelina Jolie made a very common knowledge about the BRCA1 and 2 gene, and, you know, there's... again, a very small percentage of those diagnosed with ovarian cancer that have that BRCA gene. But uh, it is important to know your family history. And I would say that if you had, uh, if you are a survivor of ovarian cancer, it's very important for you to be genetically tested. And what that means is, you know, seek out a genetics counselor and find somebody who uh, you feel comfortable talking to. And there's a website, I'll see if I can come up with it that uh, you can go to. I think it's find the genetic org. something like that. <laughs> and uh, if you put those words in, it should pop something up. But, and that would be within your area. You could find someone to talk to. But, or you could talk to your physician too. Your uh, physician would be well advised, uh, you know, because. Th- because so many people, I'll, I'll speak again personally. We had a, we had our first executive director who. Um, had lost her mom when she was 21 to ovarian cancer and she had not done genetic testing. And she went on to find out that, uh, when, when I encouraged her to get the genetic testing, uh, that it came from her dad's side and people are often surprised to think yes. that it's not only on the female side, but it can no. also come from the male side. And no. so, uh, you know, she credits Mioka, credits me for saving her life because, uh, she then found out she does have that mutation. Um, And having a young daughter, you know, that's important knowledge. And we say knowledge is power. Uh, You know, a lot of people, like my mom, was very concerned about getting genetically tested because she was feeling, if I leave that to you and then my two daughters, the guilt that goes along with it. And, you know, as a nurse, I think she came around to realizing there's a lot of... um, a lot of uh, importance in, in knowing your health history and yes. knowing your family history. So mm-hmm. uh, she did have the genetic testing done. Good,
0: good, yes. And then it's not a it's not an opportunity to to carry you know to carry guilt per right. se, but um, you know there will be obviously grief, but mm-hmm. ultimately gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Gratitude Absolutely. in in knowing and. And, um, and sharing the knowledge, and sharing the insights, and looking at uh, preliminary tests mm-hmm. in advance, indeed. So for the um, more advanced uh, stages uh, for someone that is diagnosed and, and is homebound, uh, Pam, what do you suggest? We are American Advantage Home Care. We provide uh, skilled home health care services and therapy to patients. What is a better way for us as an agency, to be able to support patients and families. And and I ask you, you know, greatly because of your background as a home care nurse, right, and then your your knowledge and experience uh, with this particular illness.
1: I'm going to start because I haven't said it, but um, unfortunately, without a detection test, most people think that a pap test or pap smear will detect ovarian cancer it does not Mm -hmm. there is no diagnostic test so when you are having your annual physical checkup you're not being screened for ovarian cancer you know there there may be a pelvic rectal exam done but if a tumor or anything is found at that time, it's gonna be in that advanced stage. So only 15% of women are found uh, early stages when it's most curable. They're the five-year um, survival rate and in a stage one is 90% and the five year survival rate in a stage four is 17% so that tells you how dramatic the drop off yes. is And so unfortunately um, you know going through this and as you know I can speak personally for my mom again uh, you know that downward decline I think as a caregiver um, who is a health professional and, and thought she knew how to take care of herself but you know there's a lot of stress that goes with it and I think you know taking time for yourself first and foremost and I think that's where a home care agency like American Advance can come in and help because you know giving that respite care giving that time for the caregiver to to go out and do something they love Um, you know I was recently reading about the caregiver stresses and and you know so much of that is real and I look back on myself and go oh my goodness you know the anger the the irritability and you know it's it's healthy it's a healthy break to be able to take that um, and and do something for yourself. So if you have the opportunity to have a home care agency, someone you trust to come in and care for your loved one, uh, that would be huge. And not to mention the medical side. Being a nurse, uh, you know, there's there's the medication and there's the you know as as you get into the advanced stages and the terminal stage, you know, having the the uh, Morphines and the medication, you know, that gets confusing. It and you, you don't want your loved one to uh, be overdosing. You Absolutely. know, you, there's a fine line between what's a comfort level and, and what's an overdose level. And so having, you know, skilled nurses who can come in and help uh, would really be an advantage too and uh, recognize that. Um, Think just
0: overall comfort for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Yes, indeed. So we're here to help. We're here to help patients as well as your alliance, right? What are some of those been challenges? One of those challenges that the alliance has and and how could you know supporters, donors, individuals, even agencies such as ours, how can we be of greater assistance?
1: Well, we are celebrating our 10 year uh, okay. anniversary, 2021. Um, through our pandemic, it's been challenging. <laughs> we, because of the nature of our disease, you know, we have a lot of uh, women in. Chronic treatment, as I mentioned, so a lot are immunosuppressed, and so we decided not to have any of our fundraising events. So, September would normally be chock filled with uh, fundraising yeah. events for <laughs> us, and we have none. Uh-huh. So, uh, I should say none, but very, very few. And uh, so, we at this point, you know, would love volunteers when yes. we are up and running uh-huh. again. I think okay. every group, uh, nonprofit, would need volunteers, but um, that's one way that you know can really support us. Another way is, you know, the advocating, as I mentioned, we always are looking for people who can help be that voice, uh, for their loved one or for someone who might not be with us any longer, uh, to continue, uh, you know, and, and it's not hard. I never thought I could go up to a politician and talk about, you know, hard things and, and I've done it. So, you know, we train you well and, uh, we have wonderful webinars, you know, that, uh, we can share and, Um, And then if you are a survivor, you know, we're always looking for survivors who have, who aren't shy, who are able to speak to others about their journey. And that's powerful. You know, uh, they, uh, survivors go back to my alma mater at University of Michigan School of Nursing and and they tell their stories and, and they're educating the future healthcare professionals about the disease. And that will carry with them for a long time as I mentioned you get this amount in the medical school or nursing school and (laughs) PA programs and so if you can take that information and and their stories and it sticks with you I remember when I heard uh, someone (laughs) telling me and you know whether it's on your index as you're doing your assessment and you're bloated and you've had this for how long and mm. you know that can go a long ways but uh we have programs tie michigan teal you may notice teal ribbons tied yes. throughout the state mm. and uh-huh. that's us we uh-huh. have uh, the symptoms of ovarian cancer on those teal ribbons and we're always looking for new communities to help us bring those uh teal ribbons to the d- their towns to uh raise awareness you know oftentimes i'll see people what are those blue ribbons they're yes. teal and right. they're for ovarian cancer and you know, unfortunately, our disease, being teal, uh, you know, we don't have a dedicated ribbon. We, we share it with a lot of other things. Sure, and uh, so, you know, it's important for us to say these are our symptoms. And yes. it's right there. Um, our uh, Teal Attack program, when I was saying that some of our events aren't happening, Teal Attack is going strong. It's a, a program that was developed by a woman who played volleyball uh, locally. And mm-hmm. she was doing a lot of dig pig Big pink events and she realized I'm an ovarian cancer survivor and why aren't we doing this to raise awareness for ovarian cancer and so in high schools and colleges uh, throughout the state uh, not only for volleyball but for other uh, sports um, they do a teal attack and teal attack is uh, bringing awareness to those younger generations then about the symptoms of ovarian cancer so we have one of those events coming up at airport high school against St. Mary's Catholic Central uh, this Wednesday so we're always looking for new schools colleges high schools uh, different sports to you know raise awareness um and I think overall, uh, you know, I, I would be remiss to say Next Generation Ovarian Cancer Alliance was started uh, at the University of Michigan by my oldest daughter um, when she was a student there. And uh, her younger sister has carried it on, and we're, we're hoping to see that succeed. But that, too, is on a college campus in hopes of raising awareness. And they tied the teal ribbons all around the University of Michigan. But we would love to see that at University of Detroit or Wayne State or, you know, anywhere else where there's uh, – Uh, Clubs that would want to, uh, you know, make a difference in raising awareness. And I think, um, you know, bottom line, uh, all this information can be found at our website, which is mioka.org, and so all of this is listed. So anybody looking
0: for something to
1: do, there's a lot of information there.
0: Um, Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, glad to hear. Glad to hear about your, your daughter uh, carrying the mantra forward with a new generation chapter of Mioka. Uh, and that's what legacy is, right? Legacy is our ability to positively impact, influence, and inspire, right? And you are certainly doing that. Your grandmother did it. Your mom did it. Uh, and now your daughter's on. This has been a very wonderful uh, and an uh, impactful insightful episode of the of care today show pam we're gonna have to invite you back on with your uh, new executive director we would love that yep in, in coming months and coming weeks and, and see how things are going for the alliance as uh, and we'll also represent with our, our teal colors as well and we'll uh, disseminate information about about the symptoms thank you of uh, ovarian cancer okay. pam, thank you for joining us thank today. you for having me